0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Politics in the Pulpit, a lectionary-based preaching resource designed to ask the provocative questions of how politics could appear in our preaching this week. My name is Geoffrey Farrer, and I'm a Methodist minister based in Putney in London. Before I was ordained, I spent 10 years working in the House of Commons as a clerk and I'm committed to connecting how we pray and read our scriptures with how we vote and live. Each week I'm joined by a special guest from a different place and space on the pulpit and political spectrum. And today I'm very pleased to introduce Faraha, Faraha Masanzi. Faraha is the pastoral care leader for the Light Church in Bradford uh, and the ecumenical canon at Bradford Cathedral. Originally from the Democratic Republic of Congo, Faraha and her family migrated to Bradford as refugees fleeing the war 20 years ago. Faraha's deep Christian faith is central to everything she does, and outside of her job, she is an avid storyteller, singer and community activist. Faraha, it's lovely to have you with us today. And just so uh, folks who don't know, the Light Church in Bradford, um, how would you describe that church?
1: Um, Yeah, thank you for having me. It's a a real privilege to be here. Um, I would describe my church as, oh, that's a good question, if I could choose two words. I would say that it feels like a family and uh, that it's also um, a hospital for the sick. Um, Because I really, I have a real heart for being in a church that um, is very outward looking and I think our church is very much that we're not, it doesn't feel like we're a club where we're trying to kind of like build ourselves. But it's kind of looking at why has God placed us here? What's going on in our city? How can we be a blessing to our neighbourhood? Um, so, yeah, that I would say a family and a hospital for the sick.
0: Lovely. And we are talking last week to uh, another colleague and she was in a Baptist Methodist URC um, church and she said it was a unique thing is a unique mm-hmm. we're learning that each church has its many similarities but a unique characteristics yeah uh, and thank you so much for being with us today um now we know that politics in the pulpit can be a bit of a contentious topic but we also believe that it's essential that the world around us speaks into our churches when you hear people saying that politics should not form part of our preaching and i think we all of us have heard something along those lines what's your response
1: I think I think I think it's really sad if we if we don't actually engage with what's going on in our world Um, I believe as Christians that we we have a mandate to be light in the world and when we look at the news and we see the challenges that is going on and right on our doorstep not never mind even going further afield there's a lot of darkness and there is a lot of um, yeah, tension between communities, there's um, there's a lot of suffering happening around us. And you know, I think as as a believer, I personally feel responsible to kind of, you know thinking and asking God, what is my responsibility? what what is it that I can do to bring your justice into the world? And I think that's a really, big question (laughs) because that you know you can get overwhelmed by the reality of how you know how can anything that I do where I am actually make a difference Mm -hmm. um it's important that we engage with the news it's important that we keep up with what's happening around us and how these policies are affecting our Mm -hmm. local neighborhoods The you know the fact that for example in our church we have uh, a food bank running three days a week is is an abomination because how can we be how can we be having kind of living in a, a, a you know a, a really wealthy country but we have people struggling to feed their kids um I just can't wrap my head around that I mean you know it's I've come from a, a background where you know I've, I've grown up in a war zone you know there's a lot of struggle there so coming to the UK and still seeing people who are homeless and seeing people who um you know are struggling with so many different challenges it's it's yeah it it's really sad but I I think that it also should challenge us to think of ways that we can use our voices to to be activists to be to advocate for those who are voiceless in our communities um and you know for some people that means working in parliament and being able to change policy but actually I think on a uh, in our own individual day-to-day lives that can that can be a very practical thing of actually just looking out for our neighbours and and making sure that you know we're able to um yeah to 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 love them well. Yes. Oh well
0: thank you for that. Yes, and that that challenge to be light in the darkness, which is last week's reading about, you know, don't hide your lamp under the bushel basket. Sometimes that's a, a very Well it's always a very challenging thing to do but when the darkness seems so overwhelming um, and yes I would agree entirely with you about the food poverty issue and why food banks are now just accepted as part of life here. Um, Each week uh, my JPIT colleagues uh, provide a little roundup of the news and they've just uh, highlighted a few stories that may or may not come into our Uh, discussions today Um, we are waking up this morning to news of a very uh, significant earthquake in Syria and Turkey uh, and the death toll sadly there is continuing to rise by the hour Um, today and this week is another week of strikes uh, especially in the NHS with nurses and uh, physiotherapists and ambulance drivers out this week uh, and very little prospect of uh, reconciliation there Um, I'd also note that the Pope, the Archbishop of Canterbury and the moderator of the Church of Scotland are on a very uh, unusual joint trip to South Sudan to uh, try and promote peace and reconciliation. It was wonderful to see that taking place. In the life of the Church, we are in LGBT History Month in February Uh, Lent is rapidly approaching, and after this I've got to order my Lent posters, otherwise I'll be in trouble. (laughs) Um, And uh, most pertinently, 12th of February, the second Sunday in February, is Racial Justice Sunday. And so many churches and congregations will be uh, perhaps departing from the lectionary readings and using other material. And Churches Together in Britain and Ireland has produced uh, what looks like an excellent uh, resource Uh, entitled, What's It Got To Do With Me? So if you Google Racial Justice Sunday, you'll find those resources there. And um, just, I mean, it's a huge question, huge topic. But Faraha, what does racial justice mean to you, would you say?
1: Yeah, I think racial justice, for me personally, um, is about continuing the fight for for justice for racial justice across the world um I am obviously someone who is you know black woman living in Britain um, and I've you know I came here as a, as a as a refugee as a migrant and um have you know faced a lot of unfortunately lots of um racial Um, injustice and (laughs) challenges you know even from school being bullied for just being the color of my skin and uh, for being different and I think it's you know obviously we kind of saw the whole um, movement of Black Lives Matter during the pandemic and that really raised a lot of profile about um, you know racial justice issues going on across the world but I think there is still a lot of work to be done um, in terms of yeah, highlighting some of the challenges that um, people are still facing, and it's not just the black-white thing. I think there is it's a lot more nuanced than that. And mm-hmm. uh, I believe that um, every community should you know make an effort to to continue educating and raising awareness of of our different communities, especially really passionate about how we educate our young people and children to start actually. Um, yeah, really grappling with this topic um, from a young age. And yeah, just looking at some of the systemic inequalities that still exist um, in, you know, workplaces and uh, just really challenging those things um, on an individual level as well as like, you know, on a, yeah, kind of policy level.
0: And what do you think the role... I mean, this is a huge topic and you know, we can't t- tackle it all. But what would you say specifically, do you think, is the role of a preacher in this context? Um, I mean, it's something I know we've got our in our circuit, we've got our local preachers meeting tonight. I know it's something preachers really struggle with mm-hmm. because it, 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 it's not popular often to bring racial justice issues into the pulpit and people get a bit miffed at you. But what do you think are what do you think our, the role of the preacher is in this context?
1: I I personally believe that um, a preacher's role, especially in this context, is to to bring challenge because mm. I think um, I think none of us grow you know in a place of comfort if we're constantly just wanting to hear what we want to hear. Uh, we won't be challenged, and I think personally, I always say like if I go to a church and I'm not being challenged in how I live and how I walk outside of church, then I need to really reevaluate why I'm there. And and I think, of course, you know, like racial justice issues, racism; those are really um, really difficult topics to to engage with, um, especially because I think people can get really um they can take it quite personally but I think Mm -hmm. it's important that we disconnect ourselves from this being we're not saying that you know this person has said that therefore you're racist or this or that but I think it's about really looking at this topic from a bird's eye view and being able to unpack it and I think preachers um especially have the responsibility to um to bring this topic to the congregation and to think about um, you know really asking those questions about what each person um, challenging each, each person with maybe their normal their kind of their biases how they might view other people other communities who, those who are different to them and being able to um, create a safe space to have conversations around this topic um, that actually em- empowers people to feel that they're not uh, it's not a blame issue i believe that there's a lot to for us to learn about that history <laughs> mm-hmm. if we look at just the near history and we look at slavery and we look at the everything that happened then and then obviously kind of a lot of the um activists who who came up you know martin luther king and those who fought for um for for justice that we have a lot to learn in terms mm-hmm. of how we as christians can be at the forefront of the the, the fight against racism uh, and I think unfortunately this is a, a, an issue that isn't going to be going away anytime soon and if all of us just decide to run away and not engage with it then it's just going to continue to exist and sadly, um yeah it won't disappear.
0: Yes thank you um, it's it, it, it In a London context, of course, I've learned a lot talking to people. And um, one of the issues, one of the, it it sounds like it was such a minor story in a way, but one of the stories recently that really touched a nerve was the incident with um, Lady Hussey at Buckingham Palace. And Mm -hmm. the person there saying, Where are you from? No, where are you from? Where are you (laughs) really from? uh, it's it, what surprises me sometimes is what stories ignite mm-hmm. conversations because yeah. I've had significant, several people who if I'm honest are sort of more of the age and ethnicity and, and and of Lady Hussey and they've said why is this a problem poor lady you know poor thing she's just got a bit muddled you know and this isn't a problem this isn't an issue But then on the Sunday afterwards, I was surprised by how many um, non-white members of the congregation had their own stories. Mm -hmm. And and one, I remember a young woman saying to me, she said, when I was reading it, I just got this. I felt sick in the pit of my stomach
1: Mm -hmm. because it
0: just got to me. And so I think this Sunday I might be reflecting a little bit on that story Mm -hmm. as a preacher trying to say, well, we've got to recognise the challenge of walking in another person's shoes. Yes.
1: Um,
0: I don't know if, if, did you have any thoughts on that particular story?
1: I thought it was a really interesting one because I think um, personally, it made me think of my own story as well. Um, um, Just, I mean, as I I said, kind of being a young um, kind of black kid in a school where you don't really see people like you, And I would constantly, you know, even as a 12-year-old, be asked, why are you here? You know, like, why did you come to the UK? And so I think it really does make what one person feel makes you feel like you're not, you don't belong, you know, and... I think it's just, it's in the tone of how people ask a question and how, you know, absolutely understand that there is, you know, there's nothing wrong with curiosity. I'm actually someone who is incredibly curious. When I meet people who are different to me, I ask a lot of questions because I'm just naturally wanting to know more about their culture, what makes them tick, how everything works in their tradition. Um, So I think there is absolutely nothing wrong with being curious um, but sometimes um, for people also who might have faced a lot of racism or trauma, it can definitely trigger them. So I think it's just being mindful of how we ask certain questions and the tone that we use to ask that question um, is really, I, I would say is really imperative. But as someone who is also really passionate about just allowing people to engage with these difficult topics. I think I can see where, you know, she might have just been, you know, wanting to know a question yeah. of like actually where where about are you from? Unfortunately, it's something that, you know, you can't assume just because someone, you know, is black mm-hmm. that they're from a different place. You know, she was like born and raised here, had actually sometimes not not everybody who, you know, who look different or look like they're from a certain place have even a connection with that place so you know Brit being kind of British becomes a huge a huge part of their identity and
0: so I'm sorry Charlie <laughs> the cat wants to make his views clear on the subject
1: oh yeah you're welcome to bring your views Charlie <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes oh thank you I mean thank you that's really interesting um it was I was surprised that that issue that story just. It just flashed yeah. people, and I think it was something to do with the age, uh, age and of the people involved. It sort of people could see themselves in the story. Um, mm. But we need to press on because this is a lecture yes. resource, and I get reminded of this every week that we're supposed to be looking at the lectionary. Um, yeah. So let's press on with our, and we've got four readings, of course. Uh, Deuteronomy 30, 1 Corinthians 3, Matthew 5, and Psalm 119. So, with our metaphorical newspapers in one hand and our open Bibles in the other, let's plunge in. Where would you like to start, for
1: Faraha? Our- I think I'll start with the Deuteronomy. Um, yeah, because it's, it's just quite juicy. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack. Yes. Yeah, so um, when I was reading this um, chapter, I remember... Just that some of the things that came out of it for me was um yeah, just the command to love God, um, love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience with him, to keep his commands and decrees, then you will live and increase. Um and it's basically, you know, this um instruction, you know, for the children of for the children of Israel is the Israelites to mm-hmm. remember that their identity is in Christ, in God, and that they they need to hold on to him as they are kind of, you know, entering into their promised land and having the possessions that will come there. Um, And one of the things that um, it talks a lot about, like prosperity and and, choosing life and prosperity or death and destruction, these like two conflicting Mm -hmm. things. Um, And yeah, I think for me, it really spoke to me about the importance of, continuing to walk with God and that there is a lot of you know blessing and and favor that comes when we walk humbly with with our God and you know it reminded me also of um the the times when we my parents and I my family moved to the UK and um we found it really difficult to navigate where where we fit and um I remember like our daily times of devotion we pray together every day and like read the bible and just like clinging on to the promises that god had spoken over us um really helped us to to see god really increase us and and play you know bring more opportunities into our lives but i think we don't always talk about the you know the blessings that come from being you know being obedient to god but it's true we know when you obey god he he does actually um he does look after
0: you you know mm. um yeah. and it, we were saying earlier it's it's such I think both of us automatically went to this one first because it's such yeah. a dramatic text um I've set before you today life and prosperity death and adversity and there's an alternative reading um really more for our Anglican colleagues and Catholic colleagues from the book of Sirach which mm. become, I find slightly intriguing and there he, he, he sort of paraphrases and he says, God has placed before you fire and water. Stretch out your hand for whichever you choose. Before each person are life and death and whichever one chooses will be given. Mm. Um, very dramatic language there. And mm. you were saying earlier about you setting it in the context of the Exodus narrative. Yeah um uh, how do you see that working that, that uh, the, the idea of the exodus narrative and then choosing life or death
1: yeah I think I really um <laughs> I can really um relate with uh the, the Israelites in, in the fact that you know I, I really feel for them having gone through all that walking mm. up you know <laughs> around for 40 years and being at this crossroad where you're like oh finally you know we can we can go to the promised land and and actually i think you know after everything that they'd been through um they ha- you know there was a lot of consequences of you know their idolatry which comes into the next part um but choosing life means like continuing to trust um god for the next season because i think even as you you know as they're entering into their promised land there is still um there's excitement, but there's also a lot that they're they're letting go of, you know, they're but even so like kind of that whole slavery mentality can still carry on with them. So mm. choosing choosing to choosing life, um, and the way I understand it is about um yeah, choosing to continue to be obedience and to walk with God, no matter what comes their way. Mm. Yeah, in the next in the next season that they're entering.
0: Yes. And something that's coming to my mind, and especially as you've mentioned your own experience, your family's experience of having to flee um, Congo and become refugees, which must have been—I mean, how old were you at the time when you had to flee? I was
1: eleven.
0: That must have been such a such a chilling experience for you.
1: Mm, it was, and you know what, actually. It's a really good um, point you just raised there. I remember um, when we left Congo, um, it was a life and death situation. Mm. My parents were running a, a, a conflict resolution um, organization called uh, Conflict Resolution Center. And because of their work, they they were targeted by the militias at the time. Um, so we were in danger. And I remember being in hiding for months after month. And then when we eventually got to um it's a long story (laughs) but when we eventually had the opportunity to leave even that um being on that plane and like the plane taking off I remember as a child just saying just being like almost like taking a deep breath of sigh and being like oh my goodness that we can actually live you know like it felt we were just living in that place of survival and death was basically a very um tangible thing because every other day you'd hear news of people who got missing or been killed and you couldn't sleep in the middle of the night because you just never knew whether you would make it to the next day um so yeah we still feel very very privileged that we had the opportunity to leave during that time and of course I still have a lot of my family back home and my siblings and my brothers moved back to run that organization after all those years um But it's, you know, it it was a very, yeah, very difficult situation. And even like the the deputy of the organization two weeks later was killed with his family and his, you know, his, his friends. And it just, you know, we just feel like we we kind of had this near death experience where somehow God decided to take us out of the country just at the right time um so you know actually it's f- in our context in my context when you are given a second chance to live you do cling on to life and you make the most of that experience and you make the most of the opportunities that you're given and I really believe that um God brought us here so we can help others so we've come out of our situation but actually we're then able to support and help others to also choose life and to live life to the full and to to fulfill their potential and not to be um, held down by the uh, traumas and the struggles of every day
0: yes um, yes it's, it's such a I mean it's such a it's so powerful to hear you speak of that experience and and I'm just reminded of so how this story repeats itself here in partly one of our neighbours she mm. fled as a child from the Nazis. She has very clear memories of leaving leaving that mm. behind, or leaving everything behind and heading yeah. to Britain. Last night, I was um, having dinner with some members of our congregation here who've had to flee Burma, uh, flee Myanmar, mm. because of the conflict there. And those, those words, that sort of you know, choose life, choose death,
1: mm.
0: we can interpret that Rightly, in a very moral tone, and we we think about you know people making you know good life choices, but I'm, d- I'm conscious again of the the refugee context of the yeah. link in Deuteronomy. There it says life and prosperity, death and adversity, mm. and and I, I feel very. You've got these migrants crossing the channel now. We've got cro- yeah, migrants dying every day on the Mediterranean. Mm. Uh, and that choice that people are having to make, mm. uh, terrible, terrible choices of choosing yeah. life or death. And yeah. we've got families in various parts of the world who are effectively consigning themselves to death by sending, giving all the money to the child to go. I mm. mean, just... And again, thinking in the context of racial justice, just mm. so powerful to think of what that means uh, for so many people across our world today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think many people who make those decisions don't take those decisions lightly. No. You know, they kind of, you know, your, your home has to be so... Unbearable for you to be able to choose to live, to completely, um, yeah, leave, leave everything behind and and make that decision, even if it does mean you might potentially die on the way. Yeah, yeah it's it's a very very horrendous yeah. thing to go through. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: so so much to unpack there. Where yeah. would you like to go next? Because again, I get told off if we don't do at least some of. <laughs>
1: So I think I would like to go to – oh, yeah, I think I I found the next – the 1 Corinthians um, Mm -hmm. passage quite interesting because it's about – So 1
0: Corinthians chapter 3. Chapter
1: 3, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, And it talks about, like, the the tension between, um, yeah, the conflict and the quarrelling that is amongst uh, the believers there, the jealousy (laughs) – and it's basically how kind
0: unlike of, the church today
1: I know right <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking this is so relevant <laughs> so many churches you know um yeah just uh comparing themselves with one another instead of actually working together in unity and I felt like mm. kind of that whole being told off by Paul there he was like you are still worldly <laughs> mm. but since there is jealousy and quarreling among you aren't you yeah are you not worldly are you not acting like mere humans um yeah because some of them were saying they follow Apollo and the other one they follow Paul and he's saying that actually essentially if one plants the seed and the other one waters it it's God who is the one who mm-hmm. makes it grow so actually we should be working more collaboratively uh as churches as um you know individuals Christians and in, in the in our in our various different contexts and actually there is so much power and unity as you know and and actually the world will know who we who we serve by by seeing how united and how how loving we are to one another first Mm -hmm. and foremost um what difference what good is it that we can go and say we love the world but actually we 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 hate our neighbors (laughs) and we we have issues
0: we hate the people who sit next to us in the pew yes
1: right yeah so i think that that was a real challenge i think it's definitely there's definitely a lot there that i was thinking about even in my own context um yeah and,
0: and it's the way that humans always find a way not to like other people and you know you don't need race you could have a <laughs> yeah. or gender or Absolutely. just speak wrong or they come from a different place yeah or they you know they take they take sugar in their tea and not yeah, whatever <laughs> it is. We always find a way not to like somebody, don't Absolutely. we? Yeah? It's, Absolutely. Absolutely. Incredible human. And I think you rightly say Paul there reminded him, you are of the kingdom. You mm. are of the
1: kingdom.
0: You know, yeah. the kingdom is different. It operates on different rules.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I love the and that and um, the imagery of like the planting and the seeds and actually the mm-hmm. yeah, I think essentially it, I think it's in verse um seven or eight it talks about the fact that we are co-workers in God's service um you are God's field and I just thought that's really interesting that actually reminded me of the fact that you know we're all laborers in the field of God Mm. that it's not about kind of hierarchy and think who is doing more for the kingdom than the other and actually God wants all of us to be able to use our different gifts to build his kingdom in our different contexts some of us could be doing that in the hospital where we're working or some of us could be you know doing more community work and seeing more fruit but actually essentially we're all co-workers in God's service we're all servants of God wherever he's placed us and I just think like you know as believers we should be encouraging one another and um uh, encourage yeah encouraging one another to keep doing God's work in our different contexts and um, and then sharing the testimonies of of how God is working in us and where the challenges might be, being able to pray for one another rather than tearing each other down, if, if that, for lack of better words. Mm.
0: And um, that wonderful co-workers or fellow workers, as it has in the NRSV, suggesting that we are working with God. God is with us and, and that enormous responsibility it places upon us.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: now, we'd better go to the gospel, otherwise we're going yeah. <laughs> So we're in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 to 37, and we're continuing over the last few weeks. We've been travelling through the Sermon on the Mount, starting with the Beatitudes and the yeah. Light. And then we have a collection of um, uh, sayings here about anger, adultery, divorce, and oaths. Anything that struck you there? about how we could link this to the field of politics in particular.
1: Yeah, I think for me, um, I was just reflecting about, like, yeah, just kind of looking at some of the ways that when you think about murder, Mm. that it's not just about, like, physically killing someone, but it's like it talked about our words. Mm. Um, yeah so being able to settle our matter you know if we come before God and we're trying to bring our offering and gift but yet we have you know bad intentions and evil thoughts about someone in our hearts you know that's as just as bad as potentially committing you know murder and that that really struck me about how powerful our words are and if we have got um, yeah kind of if we are uh, if we have issues with our neighbor or our brothers, that actually before we can even come before God, we need to go back and make sure that we are living with that we settle those issues. Um, because I think I think it made me think of how a lot of us are personally as well, that you know, many of us come to church and are very good at putting on masks. And actually we, we're dealing with a lot of um bitterness you know with with Mm -hmm. unforgiveness and challenging challenges that actually we can almost just continue to walk with even though we're supposed to be letting those things go um and yeah so that's just one thing that really spoke to me about it made me think about actually yeah what is it that what is it that I have in my heart that I need to deal with this week um before I go you know before I even Enter, go back into a church or um, do my normal work. It's kind of actually looking inwards and say, Lord, like, what is there? any And is there a word that I've spoken that have, has been really hurtful that could have, you know, really um, had been really painful for someone to hear? Um, and being able to ask for forgiveness and, yeah, make sure that I've settled those things before I even come to God and start praying or <laughs> mm-hmm. worshipping Him.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, and, and there's some. I mean, if I were being contentious and I'm not sure I'm brave enough to preach this, I wonder <laughs> if there's something about there, Jesus is talking about the law and he's saying, mm-hmm. and he's just said, you know, you've got to keep the law. And yeah. in each case he cites the law, but then says you as servants of the kingdom, as my followers, are to go beyond the mm-hmm. word of the law mm-hmm. and to take the next step. And one thing that really distresses me about the world of politics in Westminster at the minute and and, and in a wider field is is the decline in honesty. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we do not value honesty in our politicians. We Mm -hmm. want politicians who will tell us what we want to hear. And, And here we have, and we've had several politicians recently, political scandal saying, yeah. well i I did I kept the law you know the letter of the law I kept mm. and, you know but 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 of course there was you know and various politicians have come unstuck recently because it became very obvious that even if they kept to the letter the intent mm. was to deceive or to defraud or whatever and there is something here about how we are being called to a higher account absolutely. Perhaps you know, and it's not just about what you can get away with. It's about doing justice and, and behaving honestly. Yeah, mm.
1: absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say also, and um, it made me think about yeah, the kind of context of, yeah, just even Congo, where we have, um, there's a lot of kind of tribal tensions. Mm. And actually, often, sometimes you have, Um, you know people who are serving in church who are also affiliated with rebel groups who are actually committing you know horrible crimes and it just made me think of yeah just just how real that can be and even if you just go back to a couple you know actually I think it's going to be 30 years next year when um, the genocide happened in Rwanda and just some of the you know actually the, the killings that happened. You know, even people who were going to church were you know managed to mm. pick up their swords and kill one another. And yeah, it's just actually when you look at the whole murder and the, the reality of what has happened, even in recent history and things, there is a lot that we can learn even there. Um, that there, there's a lot of work that God wants to do in us to change us from the inside out so that we. Like you said, we go beyond um, what we see in our world, and we live justly um, with one another. And it's it's hard, you know. It's really challenging when you have context where there is so so much, so much, so many tensions where people are literally living with these like deep anger, and um, it just needs one thing to kind of yeah bring it out unfortunately you know it turns more into violence and yeah so I think as someone who was really passionate about like peace education yeah there's definitely a lot of work to be done about kind of how we how people yeah each of us can kind of look at, at ourselves and think about things we need to move away from mm. whether that's our words or in the way that we live outside
0: yes Yes. And I think it's about starting with ourselves, isn't it? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Right. I'm afraid I don't think we're going to have time for the psalm today, but um, that was really interesting. Very, um, uh, very challenging conversation. I think there's so many things we could explore there. And it's interesting that even though I, at first glance, I didn't think we'd get much about racial justice out of these readings. Of course, God (laughs) finds a way. Um, So. Braha, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your wisdom and some of your experiences and your fascinating life story and for being so honest with us. Thank you. We really appreciate that. Uh, and thank you to everybody else who's joined us today uh, and uh, to discuss whether or how we should preach politics in the pulpit this week. If you've enjoyed this episode of Politics in the Pulpit, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share this episode with your friends. We also have online spaces for further engagement and discussion about faith and politics on Twitter at pulpit underscore politics or using the hashtag politics in the pulpit. We also have a Facebook group, which you can access through the Joint Public Issues Team's Facebook page and the website jpit.uk. That's jpit.uk. Um, and the question, perhaps, we could l- leave ourselves with today is: how do we achieve how do we achieve God's desire for true justice in His world? Where does it start? And perhaps is the answer that it starts with me. And let's go now into both our politics and our pulpits with a blessing. And I'm using a blessing here from the Church of England for their resources for Racial Justice Sunday. The blessing of God the Father, who made from one every nation that occupies the earth, of God the Son, who brought us for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation, and of God the Spirit, who brings us together in unity, be with you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen. Goodbye and God bless.
1: Thank you.